Hey guys. I'm on my porch, so hopefully the traffic on the other side of my complex isn't too loud. Um, it's late at night, and I've kind of been working on this episode, like, off and on all day. Um, I've really been struggling lately, and... You know, I've written a couple episodes here and there and I've trashed them because I just, I don't know. I don't want to be like unhelpful and don't want to like encourage re-engaging with an abusive partner. Um, And I've really been struggling with that lately. So I guess I'm going to put this out there because... I'm really trying to dig deep and figure out why, why I keep doing this. Um, And I've learned some things and, you know, kind of have like my version, my explanation of how I'm feeling about it. And so I thought those things might be helpful, but um, I mean, I just want to put out there that this is in no way like... A recommendation to try what I've tried or cope how I've been coping but this is the reality and the real experience of abuse recovery um, so tonight I'm going to talk about emotional dysregulation in desire um, and touch a little bit on impulsivity and kind of how that all comes into play when we're trying to get ourselves out of the cycle of abuse. So I've been learning a lot about emotional regulation um, lately, and it's kind of made me be able to observe that I'm actually fairly emotionally dysregulated in my home life, in my love life. Um, you know, I kind of think maybe I've been a little bit in denial about that because I'm so like, um, collected, calm, like, you know, good decision maker, have all this responsibility and like, I'm able to totally regulate through some really tough situations that would be scary for some people. Um, so I think because I have that pride in myself that I'm able to do that and able to stay calm in the middle of a crisis and remember what to do and help somebody that it's been hard for me to admit that, Hey, you know what I do? I actually am emotionally dysregulated in certain aspects of my life. Um, I like work because it's environment, it's an environment where I'm not focusing on me and I'm helping people and it feels good. It feels good to accomplish things and get a lot done. (laughs) So that's kind of been my escape. Um, And I knew that, but I think that it just became a little bit more clear to me that working in school has really been a crutch for me to avoid some things that I really need to address. Um, so I had COVID. I just got done um, being on my 
quarantined for 10 days straight. And so I had to stay home. I had to stay home and (laughs) face all my shit and not be able to go to work. I was working from home. um, So that was like a good distraction for some of the day. But yeah, I kind of had to get real with myself over this last week and a half. Um, So while I was at home, I did some trainings and I had to do a class on dialectical behavior therapy and it sparked some things for me that I'm going to share. Um, and one of them is how emotionally reactive and dysregulated I've become since before I met my ex abusive partner. Um, before I think there was a lot of stuffing down before I met him. And then also during my relationship with him, that was kind of my mode still. It's just like stuffing my emotions down, ignoring them. His emotions were number one. Um, I was the strong one and I was really good at ignoring how I felt, um, which is a survival thing, right? Ignore that shit. It's not important. You got to (laughs) survive. We don't have time to pay attention to emotions. Um, And when I met him and was with him, I was experiencing a lot of very strong emotion all of a sudden, stronger than anything I had really ever dealt with, which is from what? Well, um, when you are with someone who is a master manipulator, they control you through what? Emotions. So he's very good and has an extensive skill set in being able to control women particularly me for some reason through emotions um he got me to a place where he had convinced me you know in the beginning um because I was really skeptical in the beginning I was really scared to love I really had a strong fear of getting close with him um getting close to the man and he got me to a point where I felt safe with him it was safe for me to feel these strong emotions with him and for him in a safe place to not have to be the strong one and that felt really good and I think that that experience with him is kind of what I personally chase when I'm chasing the honeymoon phase you know the cycle of abuse that goes from build up incident and then honeymoon makeup Um, So that's kind of my version of honeymoon is being able to let my hair down emotionally and feel a lot and feel safe feeling a lot and feel really good. So looking at all of this, I made a list of some of the things I have learned in how he's been able to do this with me, control me emotionally. Um, I think number one is seduction, um, you know, seductiveness. I think the sex we have with this type of partner is number one for how they're able to control emotions. Um, I know for me, it's the number one thing. It definitely 100%. Um, that's how he controls my emotions most. He knows that engaging in that with me makes me feel so good and so close to him um, that I get distracted from the treatment 
I am receiving from him and have received from him. Um, another thing I thought about was this ordeal of us like longing for one another, um, the on and off routine, you know, inconsistency with someone like this builds a roadmap for that addictive nature of craving and the reward system in our brains. So when we are unable to be around each other, which is usually because I am trying to stay away from him, he's good at saying things that make me feel as though he's longing to see me, touch me and feel those emotions with him. I don't know why, but well, I do know why some, some I still need to figure out, but it seems his emotionality is really provoking for me. Um, I'm very sensitive to it. I'm hyper, hyper sensitive to it. Um, and it's always kind of been that way since day one, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, in a healthy relationship, being this in tune with each other's emotions would be a wonderful thing. And I think that this is the fact or the factor I get so tripped up on when I'm weighing the pros and cons of trying again and letting him back into my life. Um, that's like the number one thing I struggle with when I'm arguing with myself is, well, you guys really understand each other so much and, you know, you have that really strong emotional connection and the what if game takes over the, you know, but he's fighting for me. He's choosing me. He's not abandoning me takes over. Um, and this stems from my wounds of having a dad that chose another family over me and trying to heal that trauma through this trauma. <laughs> awesome stuff, huh? Um, so kind of the narrative that I experience when I'm struggling in this stuff is, like if we could just fix things you know or we could just fix the things that are wrong in the relationship it would be wonderful because we are so connected and you know know each other and know when the other's upset really easily um and the bond is so strong that we could have an incredible thing that feels really good it's like that connection creates this potential in my mind that actually isn't really there. Um, so the next thing on my list, sorry, there's a motorcycle. <laughs> um, okay. It's gone now. So the next thing on my list was guilt or convincing me that he is feeling guilty. So lately, like over the last year and a half or so, since I became more educated in narcissistic behavior and abuse, He's not able to make me feel guilty for what I say or what I do within our relationship anymore because I've learned that I have a right to have feelings and have needs. I'm far enough in my recovery that I know better than that bullshit. I know I'm a good person. He's not able to convince me otherwise there um, with good intentions. And I'm able to recognize very quickly when he is using this old tactic that used to work very well for him with me. Um, he, he used guilt a lot before I kind of 
knew what was going on with us. And now I'm able to tell him basically, you know, kiss my ass. I'm not going to feel guilty for having this emotion or having this boundary that I'm putting up right now or not talking to you for a while when I need space. Um, Most importantly, I'm not going to feel guilty for having basic needs in a relationship and he's no longer able to convince me, you know, that I'm neglecting his needs. I know I'm not neglecting his needs. So that whole ordeal is gone for us. That um, that rarely pops up anymore because it doesn't work. So the new routine with guilt, though, um, is him being able to convince me he is feeling guilty or feeling remorse for past actions that have hurt me in how he has treated me. And I've talked about that in the last few episodes of kind of noticing like, oh, I think he's starting to feel guilt. I think he's starting to develop empathy, Um, you know, because it really feels as though he's starting to develop some of that stuff Um, because he has been working on not ignoring his negative emotions or actions. Um, You know, that was his way of preventing feeling guilty, but, or shame. Shame is another thing that he, I think goes through a lot or that he's described to me um so that's like the number one avoidance that's been going on with him you know I don't want to feel bad for these things that I did I can't handle that so um now that he's been you know like in depth and what seems like very authentic you know apologies he's been giving me these really authentic apologies or what feels authentic for the past behavior that's wounded me so badly um that's kind of his new way of controlling my emotions it makes me feel possibly like a false sense of safety with him because he knows his pathological behavior And when I figured out what was going on with him made me feel very unsafe, very violated and deceived by the person I wanted to trust the most. Um, So this is something I'm going to have to navigate through. Um, I don't know if he's becoming more emotionally aware or if he's just learning better things to say to manipulate me. If I listened to my rational mind and not my emotional mind, my rational mind would say, you know, Jen, this person has given you high stacks of evidence that this is what he does, right? You know, he's a a manipulator. Um, But that's hard to accept, so... That is something I'm struggling with. Um, Here's the bigger question, though. I had to ask myself, Jen, you know, why the fuck are you even questioning whether to trust someone who has lied to you more than he's told the truth? Why are you trying so hard to feel safe and loved by someone you once feared you may have to run away from as to not be injured? Why are you trying to spend your life with someone who takes away your choice in very important matters by lying to you? Um, 
my therapist has a YouTube channel. It's very good. Um, Everyday Therapist, Sherry Noxon. And she said something today in one of her videos. She said, you can't consent if you're being lied to. If you don't have all the information to make a decision for your own well-being, they're taking away your consent. They're taking away your choice. And that hit really hard for me. So why is it so hard for me to accept that this person isn't capable of loving me in a healthy way when he's shown me time and time again that that's the case? And I think it's because I'm still trying to prove I'm worth it. Um, Self-worth is something I've really grown in and that I continue to work on. But this stuff I've been going through lately and me going back is a clear sign that I'm still trying to prove my worth. I should already know I am worth it and that his incapability to treat me well has nothing to do with me. Um, I am aware he, you know, has done the same thing to every woman he's been with, right? I have, I have all the evidence. I've talked to him. So why am I trying so hard to be the chosen one by someone who treats women like shit? Why do I continue to excuse poor behavior and feel sorry for the state he is in and not pay more attention to the state I am in? Sometimes I wonder if I'm too educated or like aware and like fixated on like what the hell is wrong with him um I think I've kind of transitioned into like a healthcare (laughs) brain instead of girlfriend brain with him um which isn't helpful you know he's not my responsibility he's not my patient um I think that if I really think about it, maybe this comes from me continuously, like, saving my mom. Um, I was about 15 years old the first time I remember talking my mom out of attempting suicide. Um, it continued regularly until she passed away when I was 26. So I definitely have a learned behavior of jumping into other people's emotional distress and relieving them of things that are not my responsibility because this is how I kept my parent figure around and alive growing up. Um, If I make sure my mom doesn't get so depressed she commits suicide, I still have a mom to love me. Um, and she often told me the only reason she wouldn't do it is because of me, because she loved me too much. So, thinking about all that, it made me kind of feel like maybe I have a complex with him about not losing him and feeling like when he doesn't leave me alone, even when I ask, or he keeps trying to be with me in... I receive that from him that it's filling that void from my mom because when I push him away and I push him away and push him away and I tell him exactly how I feel 
and how fucked up he is and how much I wish my feelings for him would like cease to exist when he says I know but I love you so much please don't do this it does something for me and I need to figure out what exactly that something is um it's something with my trauma something pretty deep I don't quite understand yet which is scary so and I've definitely been avoiding a lot of this in therapy I have because it's scary I don't want to face it but I need to so I just wanted to share some basics of the DBT stuff that I learned so the three kind of three basics of dialectical behavior therapy are mindfulness or staying present emotional regulation and distress tolerance what's funny is my ex-partner really needs all of these right this is the type of therapy often applied to personality disorder symptoms in treatment used often for impulsive or explosive behavior so remember earlier when i said his emotionality really affects me this is the issue with that it's causing me to have his emotional experience with him um today i thought you know reflected and thought about and really had to come to terms with the fact that by engaging with this individual for the last three and a half years of my life I've picked up some of these traits because it's what I've been living in. It's been my environment. It's a lot harder for me to sometimes sort out which emotions are his and which ones are mine when we're arguing or trying to explain to one another why we are upset. It all kind of bleeds together um, because we are upset about a lot of the same things. You know, and I think number one for both of us being, I do not like that I can't control how I feel about you. Um, you know, I feel helpless in the fact that I crave interaction with you and can't stop. And that you affect me in my mood and day-to-day -day experience as much as you do. You know, that's really frustrating for me. And he expresses that that's frustrating for him too. Now, I don't know... Maybe that's like the whole emotional mimicking thing that they do, but that's definitely like the story that I get from him and that I got from him before it was kind of what was going on with me. So, but for me, like any other person in my past with the exception of my dad, um, I feel like I had a pretty good handle on with emotional regulation. Like, okay this person is making me feel very unwanted and causing un, you know unpleasurable emotions for me chop chop you're out you know in order to not feel this way anymore they need to be removed from my environment i feel like i had a good handle on that before this man um i have no contact several years with my dad so he doesn't really affect my day-to-day -day emotionality anymore i have process a lot of you know what I needed to there and I'm able to stay away from him but with my ex not so much um I am impulsive when it comes to him which is not a natural trait for me 
Um, it's something that has developed in being in a relationship with him for so long <laughs> on and off. Um, when I want to see him to make myself feel better and not feel those extreme negative emotions that I feel being away from him, my brain forgets those extreme negative emotions I feel when I'm with him and it's, it's only fixated on the good and I will crave that good interaction until I get it and then that sensation is gone. But much, much of the time, um, since finding out he is a pathological liar and was hiding so much behind my back in my time with him and understanding, you know, how he operates, understanding manipulation, when I crave and then impulsively go see him, I don't always get those warm and fuzzies I want. Sometimes I still do, but um, they're lasting less and less, you know, the more I've done it over the years. And sometimes I don't feel them at all. I'll be around him and immediately just feel like that fuck you feeling and feel the anger from him hurting me so badly and just like immediately regret even being around him. So I really need to take a look at why I'm continuously struggling to stay away from these high intensity emotions. I think something I'm noticing in the last few months, um, especially is I feel numb sometimes. Um, I'm learning a lot about emotionality in my work and some of the things I'm learning about are making light bulbs go off for me within my own experience that I really wasn't aware of before. Um, and one of the problems with feeling numb, which is a product of trauma and PTSD, right? Um, the problem with it is it causes us to crave feeling something again when you're numb. You know, I just want to feel anything, even something that hurts. And when hurting is familiar and predictable, I think maybe even sometimes that may make us feel more normal if that's what our cycle has been. So the familiarity of my ex is what makes him attractive lately. You know, it does. Um, that's a sign I have more work to do in my childhood trauma if that's, if this is what's comforting me. So it's an ever-changing cycle of, I want to, I want to feel emotionally numb. This is too much. I can't handle it. I want to feel numb. Um, I'm going to act on this impulse, desire, or behavior to get rid of that negative emotion that I'm feeling that I do not want to feel. So it goes between that and I feel so numb, it's causing me to stress and I need to feel something, anything at all. So when I struggle with wanting to see him, those are the two experiences that I kind of am going through. Um, you know, it's either like really uncomfortable and I'm feeling too much by not being able to see him and so I'll go see him or... I get into that state where I'm like feeling like emotionally numb and like 
when I try to date other people, I don't feel anything and I just want to feel something again. So then I go see him. So this is the cycle I have unfortunately cultivated from this relationship in being so caught in the cycle of abuse. And this is also the internal experience described in the diagnosis of a person with a personality disorder. Um, the cyclic intense emotionality, which was not there for me before I started dating him. Um, when I first started having problems in distress with my ex-partner and observing his emotionality, it seemed so odd and just like weird to me. Like he was from another planet. Like, how do you function like that? And why do you behave like this? Like, I couldn't understand it. Like it wasn't logical. And I was trying to explain like logic to him and he just wasn't getting it. Um, and now, you know, now I am beginning to understand because I'm feeling the effects of it and I'm now experiencing it. Um, you know, I've been in a meshed with him for so long that it's, it's turning into, my experience much of the time now so how to help myself you know learn about it right apply the coping skills that I've learned um overcome it like everything else in my life because I deserve to feel better than this everybody does um no one deserves to feel like this Okay, so this class that I took today talked about staying present and allowing emotions to pass through our bodies naturally without engaging in behaviors or thought processes that try to avoid feeling the peak of that emotion. So just like pausing and feeling it without acting on something to make us feel better. <laughs> so I'll try to describe an example. Um, I'm starting to feel sadness because I'm grieving the loss of this relationship again, which is rooted in my grief over my parents and starting to feel that withdrawal that comes with me trying to leave and step away from him. Um, that's the emotional package I hate the most right there. And I know it's that way for a lot of people. It's really hard to leave. Um, I start to feel that come on and I have had really unbearably painful experiences with that scenario in the past. It's been really painful for me to try to stay away from him. So I freak out now when I start to feel that and that's when I start to emotionally dysregulate. So what that looks like for me is not being able to stop thinking about what it's going to be like at the peak of this emotional experience where I feel like I can't escape the heartbreak. I can't escape the pain. Feeling immense loss. Feeling immense sadness. I think this particular experience also really triggers the one I had in losing my mother suddenly. It feels very similar to the day that she passed away. And I often have flashbacks from that when I'm trying to stay away from him. Um, along with flashbacks of the experiences I had with him hurting me and abandoning me. So it's hard 
sorting out that the only thing that seems to help me when I'm having flashbacks of these scary and painful memories with him is to go reunite with him so I can feel good again. That's my instant gratification. So in attempts to not feel all of that and go see him, um, you know, and avoid doing that to myself again, there's been some other things that I've tried that were not helpful. Um, you know, dating prematurely and engaging in sex with other people when like, I'm just not there yet. Um, I try to use that as a distraction and it usually does not help and intensifies me missing him. I'm not sure what that was. Oh, someone's lighting off firework. Um, anyways, so yeah, dating and and being intimate with other people has not helped me. Um, it intensifies that experience of me missing him, so that didn't work. The last time um, I went through this, I got back together with my ex-husband in attempts to just like leave this all behind and escape it. I was really struggling, um, but it did not help. It made me feel worse. It didn't work. Um, I impulsively work. That works. I feel awesome at work, but I can't have a life balance if I'm just constantly working. This is a maladaptive coping skill to avoid my personal life, right? You've all seen the meme. No personal life, no problems. Get a medical career. Um, you know, I impulsively go to college or impulsively study or sign up for things that I can focus on intensely. Um, you know, if I'm being real with myself, that's maladaptive too, but I got a nursing degree out of it. Um, you know, I was probably the most emotionally inclined nurse to deal with my specialty um, with mental illness because I just fixated on all of that for so long and learned so much about it. Um, I'll impulsively book a trip with girlfriends and go, you know, a little wild, go out and wear, like, something sexy and indulge in kind of, like, walking in and being looked at by men and feeling sexy and feeling like I'm having control. Um, this is an impulsive behavior that I've picked up from this experience with my ex, you know, um that whole like I'll show you mentality we both have going on when one rejects the other um, and sometimes when life has gotten really rough um, as I've shared before impulsively you know I have impulsively restricted my food intake and fixate on my weight um, being hungry is a distraction I used to use that as a coping skill. This is one I've gotten in check. Um, I've gotten treatment for, thankfully. But I have to recognize it on my list of behaviors to look out for. Um, I'll also, also intensely exercise. That seems to help. I have a healthy relationship with exercise now also. Um, doing sprints helps me most, I think, out of all, like, 
exercise that I like to do, like sprinting really helps alleviate some of that built up stuff, um, particularly when I'm feeling angry. But, you know, so I have a list of all these impulsive behaviors and coping mechanisms that I've tried to like make me feel better. But the number one impulsive behavior I need to work on is not going to see him when I want to or picking up the phone and calling him or making love to him or allowing for a conversation to take place where he goes on and on about how much he loves me and can't live without me and I won't ever love anyone else the same um, and that he needs me. That's a big no-no because that description mirrors my own emotions for him when I am in that state and the issue with these types of conversations that I just described are it makes us relatable to one another so when I'm hurting I can call him up and say I'm really hurting I'm really missing you and he says all these things that that sound like exactly what I'm feeling and then all of a sudden we're relatable to each other again and connected Um, so that feeds the trauma bond it makes it stronger causes increased cognitive dissonance and that confusion um, and really really just at the end of the day when I have to tell him no I can't be with you again makes the immense sadness much sadder <laughs> um when I have these conversations with him, it makes my grieving process more intense by the end of it because I am experiencing the loss of a person I feel deeply emotionally connected to versus the reality of a situation which is suffering the loss of a person who has hurt me, um, who's wounded me and continues to lie to me and struggle in his own, you know, emotional dysregulation that spills over into my life. So both situations are hard, but when I think of him as the love of my life and we are tragically being separated and I'm the one having to ask for that separation as to not be hurt again, it makes it harder. So that impulse to have contact with him it feels good at first but then like as I just described by the end of it you know sometimes it's a couple days sometimes it's a couple weeks but it always comes to the same outcome which is you're the same you haven't changed I can't be with you I can't talk to you um you know the whole thing is hard because he'll always be available to me for that right? Like he'll always be available. Sometimes he'll date and not be, you know, vocal for like a month or so, I think is the longest I've gone without a conversation like that from him, but it won't ever be permanent because he is so fixated on me also. It's hard convincing myself that he's obsessed with me and wants to control me emotionally rather than feeling that he does love and care about my well-being and you know what maybe it's both but both together aren't healthy 
Only one of those things are healthy. Um, so emotional regulation looks like me not engaging in all of those behaviors to avoid this immense sadness and hurt I feel around my abusive relationship that I've experienced. Sitting with it, feeling it, and not necessarily just like bearing down and what we call white knuckling it, but allowing it to happen, um, allowing that experience of re-losing him again cause me distress because it naturally will. And where the regulation comes in is that point where I know it's about to get rough and I have to choose between engaging in unhealthy behaviors, like going back and seeing him again, and engaging in healthy coping in healthy coping mechanisms, which is something I'm still um, learning about. And staying present instead of spinning into all of the what ifs. Um, bargaining, right? That's a stage of grief to get a different outcome with this individual. It's not going to happen. I will not be able to accept that I'm not supposed to be with him or even convince myself of that unless I stop engaging in the extreme emotionality with him. I will not feel any different until I stop sleeping with him and feeding the trauma bond. I will not be able to be a totally healthy individual and mom until I learn to accept that when I have interaction with him, even interaction that feels really good and makes me feel all better temporarily, it's still hurting me. Feeling good with him is not going to help me, even if we have like weeks of it, months of it. Um, so my brain and my heart are in a very large argument right now. I most certainly have been operating under the control of my emotional mind and not my rational mind lately in my love life because I'm spending time around him again. I'm talking with him daily again um, on the phone. And even though I'm getting a lot of unanswered questions and feelings resolved, the situation has gotten to a point where it's holding me back again. And I feel like dependent again. So one of the last things I said to him before we reconnected this last time was if you love me at all you will not answer me when I cry out for you you will choose not to give this option to me anymore you have admittedly observed what this relationship does to me and that you have been incredibly emotionally abusive to me and that you have a problem and I know I make you feel good and I know there are feelings there for you too but if you love me at all, you will allow me to live life knowing what it feels like without you. When I tell you I've changed my mind, I miss you too much to not be together, and that I want to try again, if you love me, you will tell me no. Because nothing's going to be different.
and he said many times, um, you know, over this span that we've gone through, I don't want to mess you up anymore. I don't know what to do. So that was kind of my answer for him to that. Um, I am the more emotionally regulated one of the two of us. So unfortunately, it really will be my responsibility to stay away and stop causing this cycle in my love life. But it would be nice for once um, if he could hold back too. It's been very hard for both of us lately. And I'll tell you recently, we've been on, on a streak of feeling like maybe this will get better it's been calm, it's been open, it's been loving and nice to enjoy each other in that way again. Um, but it won't stay that way. Um, it won't stay that way. And it was starting to go downhill again. Um, I'm safe, you know, nothing physical, but just like emotionally, I was starting to feel that old familiar feeling, um, you know, that it was going sideways again. I was at dinner with him and I just got that overwhelming feeling of you're lying to me. There's so much more that's going on in your life than I know about and you're lying to me so that you can keep seeing me and using me to feel better. So I think for those of you listening to this who have not experienced a relationship like this and you're a friend or a loved one trying to understand, you know, what I'm talking about in this episode, this is the hardest part. Accepting that when you feel the most in love and you feel the most at peace, the most happy with your person who does this to you, Accepting these experiences and feelings as unhealthy for you is very hard. And we don't intentionally keep doing this to ourselves. It mimics, you know, when we're in this good stage, it mimics what a wonderful, loving relationship feels like, maybe even better. And convincing yourself that this experience is dangerous or emotionally damaging feels so unnatural. You know, and it feels like a punishment. Like, why me? Why did I have to even meet him? Why did I have to get this deep without knowing what was happening to me? I didn't have a choice. Right? I didn't have a choice. <laughs> um, and then you get to a point where you know enough that you have to be a big girl and accept it and take responsibility. And then it's just like, you know, why do I always have to be the strong one? I'm so tired. And we break down and go back. So I think the best thing, if you are a person who's a support person, choosing to be a support person, the best thing you can do for us is to be patient with us in our process of unlearning to love someone who is so good at making it seem like we will never be able to love anyone else the same ever again 
forgive us for struggling to choose between devastating heartbreak without them or devastating heartbreak with them and going back and forth between the two just trying to get out of pain and not knowing what would be less painful sometimes <laughs> sometimes staying truly is the less painful option so that's what we pick and it takes building these skills around you know that mindfulness being able to pause not act and cope differently a little while to develop it's it doesn't come easy it's work so for me I could say to you that for me out of all the things I have been challenged with and overcome including surviving a childhood with two alcoholic parents losing my mother to death at a very early age and my father to you know having to go no contact with him um, so that I'm not hurt by him watching my little sister struggle with addiction all while being a single mother with her own struggles getting into and graduating nursing school with high honors and being a really fucking good nurse because I worked hard to become one closing this chapter and staying away from this individual by far has been and probably will be the biggest battle I've had to fight and overcome so please keep this in mind when you do not understand why someone just keeps going back or if it's you experiencing it and you're beating yourself up you know just take all that into consideration keep pushing yourself don't use it as an excuse um, you know keep pushing yourself to move forward and get out of it but be kind to yourself because this is you know what I just described this is the cause of that statistic of it takes seven times at least to leave that's how hard it is I want to leave on a positive note um, and just give my thanks to like the incredible domestic abuse survivor community. Um, it's a community full of hope and encouragement and like-minded people that I've found and I've met some really understanding and compassionate friends and people and just a community of very kind-hearted people who are learning not everyone in this world is made of the same kindness that lies within us much love guys till next time